Hey, it's Sarah and Kristen. Welcome back for another episode of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. We are stoked to have you here and so grateful for the time that both our guests and our listeners give to us. Before we kick off, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and sea where this podcast is being recorded on, the land of the Gubby Gubby people of the Sunshine Coast. We pay respect to their elders past, present and those emerging. Just as a quick reminder, if you are a returning listener, uh, we have a Patreon account. Patreon itself allows us to continue to cover the costs for the podcast, such as monthly hosting, website, and equipment upgrade to bring you the best quality possible, which is why in this episode, we get Ness's full energy squeals in the background. You! (laughs) She's back. With that in mind, every little contribution makes a huge difference to us. For just a gold coin donation each month, we would be so stoked to have you on as a patron. It's pretty easy to find and sign up online at patreon.com forward slash into the wee hours podcast. Again, we love all of our existing patrons. Thank you so much. And again, all of you listeners, just so happy to have you here. Another way that you can support this podcast and make it easier for people to find us is to please consider leaving a rating or review on the platform you're listening to us from. Also, we love seeing our listeners either reaching out to or tagging our guests in their Instagram stories. So if you've particularly loved an episode, please repost, tag, and let us know why you love listening. Thank you to everyone who has either left a rating or a review or tagged us on socials. Today we get to bring you an absolute legend in the ultra and trail running and adventure scene, Marie Connor. Marie was so gracious with her time recording with us on Mother's Day amidst her three-day night schedule as an ED nurse and with some of our technical difficulties. Thanks, Marie! (laughs) This episode really only highlights the tip of the surface for Marie's accomplishments as a runner and adventurer. We really could have spent probably hours talking to her about all the things that she's done. Being a mother, wife, sister of four siblings, and a busy nurse, it was so interesting to hear her talk about prioritizing everything at different times in that balancing act that we're all trying to achieve. Marie has undertaken numerous outdoor challenges in the form of both races and self-guided adventure. In this episode, we focus mainly on her ultra running, and there is no doubt she has some incredible race results against her name, not limited to, but including a record-breaking Brisbane Trail Ultra 100 mile and winning the iconic Australian race Coast to Cozzy. If you've ever been curious about what it might take to run a consecutive 240 kilometers from sea level to the highest point of Australia, we know you'll especially love the insights that Marie shared with us about this epic race to the summit of Mount Kosciuszko. We are so excited to see what Marie takes on and crushes in the future. Let's get into it. Cue the music with Kristen. Welcome to episode 27 of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. My name is Sarah Pendergrass and I am joined by my beautiful co-host Kristen Button. Hello. 
We are also joined today via Zoom by Marie Connor. Welcome, Marie. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, good morning. <laughs> good morning. And like what we did with the brownies of stealing them on Valentine's Day, we have gratefully stolen Marie on Mother's Day. So again, thank you for your time. It sounds like the kids are all set up in things. <laughs> Hopefully they won't disturb us, we'll see. <laughs> um, we kind of talked off air. We generally kind of go through, again, we're not going to do too much of an introduction to you so far. Um, some of our listeners might know who you are, some might not. Um, but we'll start off with just a couple of quick fire questions just to get us all warmed up before we get into the, the meaty bits of Marie Connor. So Sarah, I'll throw it over to you. <laughs> all right. So Kristen's favorite question, pineapple on pizza, how's yeah or how's no? Actually, I, I I did think about this when I was listening to some of your podcasts. I knew you were going to ask me, and I don't really have an answer. But I'm from Queensland, so I probably should say yes. But I would not choose it. I okay. would not choose it. Okay, <laughs> same kind of diplomatic answer that we had from Dempsey and from my mom. Of if it's if it's presented to you, you're eating it. But if you go and actively choose, pineapple is not on it. Is that my understanding? Yeah, I think pizza is like sleep. Um, the only bad one is not any. So getting, I don't know. All pizza is great. <laughs> That's great. It gives you a little bit of everything. Carbs, fat, protein, it's all in there. <laughs> um, all right. So um, I'm, you know, going through everything. Generally how we do research on our guests is Instagram, socials, all that type of things. Um, as I was scrolling through, after a lot of your races, you kind of make this comment of, that was a long way to run for a beer. So it seems like you're quite an avid beer drinker. What's your go-to post-run beer? Uh, whatever's on sale that week, if I haven't had a delivery from my... I've got a guy who once a month gives us a delivery of uh, a case of beer 24 from craft, all craft beers around Australia. But then we had, so initially it was 24 beers and then after fights with my husband of who got to try which ones, we ended up having to change the order to two sets of 12 identical beers because then we had to compare, each day we had to have the same beer so that we could compare which beer that was. But, yeah, any any beer, but generally a craft beer is, is our go-to. We'll take local or anything from Australia. So. Love that. That's an awesome, awesome answer. Um, in terms of beer, do you like a pale ale? Do you like a IPA? Like what's what's your go-to reach? All and every, but I, I like um I like a hazy. Hazy's good. Mm-hmm. Um, anything light probably, not mm-hmm. light in alcohol. Although light in alcohol I can do with the sports beers these days as well. <laughs> Um, but light in colour. I don't mind the stouts, and we do get a couple of those through our beer drop, but um, they're not my favourite. Yeah. Every every beer is a good beer. Yeah, love it. Love <laughs> it. It's Great answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next question. So imagine that you had a big billboard on, because you live in Newcastle, so what's like the Pacific Highway, Mm-hmm. This billboard sitting beside the road and everyone driving past looks at it. What would you write on that billboard? Well, depends how deep you want to go. It's my my philosophy is don't waste a day, but or don't waste don't waste a minute more if once you get to know me. <laughs> um, but otherwise, it's probably a really bad sarcastic dad joke. Is my other go to. Do you have any dad jokes uh, off the top of your head? 
Probably not for this. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, safe answer. If I if I if I explain to you in my workplace, it's all about um, de-escalating or keeping people um, calm, and so it's always about trying to take the focus off whatever's happening at the time. So it's usually something bad and terrible. Oh, okay. Give me an example. What did I said the other day. Oh, you put me on the spot now. I had a really good one the other day. I do a group huddle at the start of my shift every day for the oncoming staff. And you work and, as an ED um, nurse. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm the I'm a clinical nurse unit manager, so yeah. I'll take the reins of the of, of the shift and the staff. Um, no, I can't. Do it. <laughs> I'm have to think about it today. That's awesome. Exactly. It's, I love it's, this answer. It's, it it's, pops in your it's head later. probably so bad. As well. Yeah. yeah, if it pops we'll see, in we'll see how things, I go. yeah, then just shout it out because I always appreciate it. It's a good dad joke. <laughs> it's written down in my phone, but I turned my phone, I, I write all my jokes down in my phone so that I don't make a mess of them in my huddle. So I do get a laugh because no one likes the non-laugh. Um, but I have turned my phone off so it doesn't disrupt me this morning. So Perfect. I can't even get to it. So. <laughs> all right. So the next one, if you could go for a run with anyone in the world, dead or alive, Let's call it a um, two to three hour easy run on trails. Who would you go for a run with? Uh, I'm probably going to be really corny and say my husband. Aww. And the reason why, I know I'm not that way inclined at all, um, romantic and such, but um, we live such busy lives that we very rarely get to see each other these days. And twice a month, the family of four have dinner together. And so one thing is when he does do some training or he is training for something uh, we'll try and get a run once a month so but it's just it's always a nice time to talk and it's you know we're distracted by running and we just it's a free conversation and it's it's a really nice time and we just very rarely get to do it so sorry that I've got nothing better than that but that's answer. it's it's a nice it's a nice to time to for that <laughs> answer yeah absolutely I love that and I love the appreciation as well of how nice that running beside someone is you know the free-flowing conversation like it is just the best time so yeah uh, I 95 percent of my runs are solo I train alone and I do most of the stuff that I do is all solo which I really appreciate so it's not a bad thing but if I do get the opportunity to run with someone it's I would like it to be him I, I had a run on Friday and I said oh, I'm going out for a run on Friday. Do you want to come? I know it's your day off and you're going to night shift. He goes, where are you going? I said, out there, 30 or 40 Ks. He's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> he said, five Ks maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said, can you ride your bike along beside me then? He said, no. <laughs> no, that would not be fun for me. I was like, yeah, but it'd be good for me. <laughs> and it is he didn't come. navigating, like you guys are probably doing – I know I heard that your husband is also very active too. And it's sometimes the tricky part is lining up schedules, like regardless of whether you can, can run with everybody because you've got more of an open schedule. It's also lining up. All right, well, here's my easy day. I've got intervals today. So I, you know, if I'm talking honestly, I probably shouldn't run with somebody else. All of those things lining up. So yeah, I mean, it, included in your uh, daily life. That's just another aspect to uh, throw in there. All right. Next question. You are out on a trail run, let's say, and a genie pops up. The genie grants you three wishes. Now, I'm going to, hang on, I'm not going to ask Kristen for the rules. I'm going to remember them. So you can't bring anyone back from the dead. You can't ask anyone to fall in love with you. And you can't ask for more wishes. 
And that's just taken from Aladdin. <laughs> I know, but you're still my... I'm always like, Kristen, remind me. So, what do you reckon? I would love more hours in every day. Um, Good common thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, um, I want my kids to never grow up but I also want them to grow up because when they grow up, I can be independent and do my own thing. But I also never want them to grow up because they're super darling at this age, waking me up early and annoying me. How old are they, Marie? Six and eight. Nice. Such a nice time. Both annoyingly frustrating and lovely at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know a third one. to never work but then I I don't know maybe everybody in the world to be kind to each other or understand that other people have things going on or not everything's black and white I don't know great third one yeah awesome shout out Ness (laughs) (laughs) perfect timing I was actually talking about her yeah And the very last one, just to wrap up for the quick choir questions, we always like to challenge people to give themselves a compliment. It's something that we don't necessarily do all the time. Um, and Marie's face just kind of contorted a little bit. <laughs> so Marie, give yourself a compliment. I used to have nice feet, but <laughs> I don't anymore. Uh, I don't know. Um, We're gonna challenge you. It's, it's not a compliment. You gotta keep keep digging. I've got a good sense of humor good. that I like. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need. It's a tr- it's a tricky one. So again, like I, we had my parents on last week, and re-listening back to it, um, they like I introduced the question. And they went, oh, this is something that's really outside of our generation. Not saying you're the same generation as my parents, but it's just something that's hard to do as well. Um, And listening back, Sarah made the comment. They didn't actually give themselves a compliment. They they told us what they were grateful for, which is different. Yeah, they they skipped it. And I was like, oh, I can't really push your parents. But I mean. (laughs) It's a hard hard. one. Yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's hard to appreciate yourself. I, I. You know, I could, like, I'm just thinking about it more now. Um, the screensaver on my computer behind me is a picture of me the week before I had my back surgery. And if I always, again, that's probably something more I'm grateful for, but I always think to myself, remember when you couldn't and now you can. So so do everything you can because you can now. I don't know. So maybe I'm grateful that I can do stuff, but I'm my compliment is, is that I dig deep and I try hard because I can now. Maybe. Awesome. Yeah, I'll take both answers, sense of humor and digging deep. <laughs> I like the sense of humor better, although, like I said, I like my sense of humor. It doesn't mean everybody else does. Right. Well, again, I'm waiting for the dad joke somewhere in between. Like, just throw it in there somewhere in this podcast, and I appreciate that. <laughs> well, well done. You made it through the quick fire questions. Yeah. Yoo-hoo. <laughs> um, so, again, this is where we kind of throw it back over to you, Marie. Um Again, some people might know who you are. Some people might, might not in terms of our listenership. So I always like to kind of just open the floor up to our guests, give a bit of an origin story. Who's Marie? You know, wh- what do you do? Where? How have you gotten to where you are now as long or as little as you'd like? Um, and yeah, throwing it over to you. 
Um, well, I, I'm from a very big family, um, and my my dad is from Holland originally. Well, my dad's side of the family is from Holland, from the Netherlands originally, and my parents met and married very, very young when they were 16 and 18, and by the time my mother was 22, she had five children. Um, so we're all very close, and so my parents are very young. Um, when we grew up, we grew up on a property in southeast of Brisbane in Redland Bay. And um, we, on the property was my grandparents as well and um, another set of my dad's parents, uh, my dad's brother and family, and they had a prawn farm. Um, but then in the middle of the 90s, we moved up to North Queensland to Townsville. But the reason why I was saying that bit is because my, my dad's a fireman and so service worker and my mum's a nurse and always they were shift working, both of them, when we were kids growing up. And every time they had days off together, they would take us out to one of the islands because we lived on the on the mouth of the Logan River there. Um, they'd take us to one of the islands and we'd go skiing or boating or fishing or they would take us to one of the mountains in southeast Queensland and we'd go and hike up for the day and go camping and did all these things. So we had a really active and full, like, young childhood coming growing up. And then in the mid-'90s, my dad got a transfer up to Townsville and we moved to Townsville. Um, and my mum stayed around in Brisbane with my older sister, so I'm second. Second is the best <laughs> for anyone in my family who's listening. First is the worst, second is the best. <laughs> um, and, um, and so my older sister was in grade 12 and high school, so just to finish off high school rather than transfer in the middle of her senior year, she stayed in Brisbane with my mum and they were fixing up the house to sell and whatever. And I ended up going from a, a small child who had no responsibility to sort of being the person of the household while, my, while dad was at work with my younger brothers and sisters. So that was interesting but also fun. I <coughs> worked a lot of school um, because no one told me not to. Uh, and I joined Army Cats in Townsville and then from there, that, and that was like we'd done scouts and my parents always said try everything. So they always put us into everything and we tried everything. Um, and so I did Army Cadets and then got the love for hiking and camping again and then went to uni and all, all that stuff because we had to go to uni and um, do work stuff. <laughs> and then after that I was living and working in Townsville um, and my older sister who still stayed in Brisbane when we moved to Townsville was living in Rockhampton and her husband was working out west of Queensland somewhere. So she had a young baby and she was by herself. I said, oh, I'll just come and move to Rocky and I'll hang out with you. So I moved to Rocky within a week and then lived off her couch for six months and hung around there for a while. And then after that, I moved to Newcastle and that's a different story. Um, and then I, so I moved down here at the beginning of 2000, which was fun. So all through my school years, we did a lot of athletics and swimming and I was always like the fifth best at stuff. I tried hard, but I wasn't amazing, and, but I, I was always active and sporty. And then I moved to Newcastle and then work was just work. I did a lot of work for a couple of years. It's not much really happened in the middle there. And then Rob, my husband, I met him in 2008, well, no, 2007, and I was planning to – I was at work and work was not fun, so still the whole time emergency nurse, so 20, 21 years now emergency nursing. And I um, 
I thought, what do I need to do? So I signed up for a business degree and I realised that was not the problem. Work was not the problem. I just, I needed, I don't know what it was, but I needed to not be here anymore. Not, not like that. And so I decided to put all of my eggs into a, into a basket and I got a one-way ticket over to Europe. And I just met, I just met Rob at the time and he said, oh, Oh, you're going to Europe. That's amazing. He just bought his house and just bought his car and just got his permanent job in Newcastle and he's from Melbourne. Um, and he said, can I come? I said, no, you can't come. I'm got, I've got to, you know, I'm, I'm bored with life and it's boring and I, I always wanted to travel and I did a little bit of travel as, um, as, a, as a young person while I was nursing, but not much. I was always just working. Um, anyway, we got sort of got to know each other a bit more and then, I said, yeah, you can come, but in a few months. So I went over and travelled around by myself and with, with another friend and then he came over at the end of the year. And then we did that for a couple of years on and off and then came home and here we are 10 years later. That's <laughs> about it. That's my, that's my life in a nutshell. <laughs> in, that's the like, short version. Yeah, people get to the point and then they're like, and here I am. <laughs> So describe where you are. What are you doing? <laughs> so still nursing in emergency um, uh, and raising the children. Mm-hmm. But so I'm thinking about running or what, what, why I started running. And so in the three years that we went travelling, we were overseas. Um, and I, I always said, if we fight, you're coming home and I'm staying travelling, <laughs> which we never did, which was great. And then in the second half of the time we were away, we ended up thinking we need some way to inject some money. Otherwise, we couldn't sustain the lifestyle of just travelling day by day through mm-hmm. Europe and South America and Africa. And we did all these amazing things. And, and then we ended up getting to one of the, a company that does um, provides nursing, or he's paramedics, so medical services in the Solomon Islands. So it was the Regional Assistance Mission to the Solomon Islands. It's part of a, a government initiative where... All the, all the islands locally and, and the governments all band together to assist. Um, and so we worked over in the Solomon Islands for 12 months, just under 12 months. And in that time, we were living in the hotel. That was the hotel that, that um, our company put us up into. And then the base um, was 12 k's away. And one of the other nurses who was leaving had shipped over a bike and she used to ride the bike to, um, to work every day. So we did 12-hour shifts. And she was leaving and I said, oh, I'll buy a bike off you, $100, because we were doing nothing but drinking beer and working. So I decided it was time to get a little bit fitter. Um, and I bought her bike off her, so I started riding to and from work because it's safe enough once you've been there a while and you understand how everything works. Um, so I rode for a while and then another nurse came into country and um, so then he, he was running and I said, oh, I'll ditch the bike, and I started running and I remember the 12 Ks run from the hotel to work used to take me about an hour and a half or a bit longer and lots of puffing and <laughs> it was hot because it was 38 degrees yeah, and, you know, I, I just I, I didn't love it. But I loved the feeling of how I felt when I ran back and we'd sort of we'd do the 12K run and we'd come through the foyer of the hotel straight into the bar and have a beer. <laughs> so <laughs> didn't necessarily make me fitter, but it, it, it was fun and it was a nice way of doing something different and, that's probably where I started running, if you would call it that. There was a lot of walking. And then when we came home to Australia in 2011, um, I signed up for a Newcastle half marathon and that's when I did my first half marathon, so that was exciting. 
Yeah, cool. Yeah. Amazing. And um, I guess talk a little bit about that back surgery. You um, mentioned it, especially in your like post BTU interview with Shauna, um, that that was pretty significant for you is kind of going through that back surgery and how that kind of changed you, like your trajectory with running. Yeah, it really did. I must admit before that, uh, I just always wanted to run a marathon. I just thought that was a very long way and I thought it was amazing and anyone who could do that, and I still do think this, but anyone who could do that is amazing as well. And so in 2013, I started training for a marathon and then found out I was pregnant. So I decided to continue training for that marathon and running that marathon and actually did the Melbourne Marathon in 2013 at 18 weeks pregnant which is probably stupid at the time. It wasn't fast, but it made me feel amazing and alive and it was, I just thought this is amazing. Anyway, I had my, my first child at the beginning of 2014 and then I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to try, I'll do this again because I want to, I always wanted a sub 442. It just, four is a, a number for me that I love. 14 is my favourite number. I don't know. I just, I wanted sub 442, 2014. Well. I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> All in all, everything was lining up, and and I I I ended up doing that the, the following year, but got pregnant again and had another child. And um, what happened with my back? I I have no understanding of how or what. I just I always did everything, or I always pushed myself and always tried everything. I never really felt like I couldn't do anything. And my parents always brought us up to say, you know, do have a go at everything and never say no to anything and try everything so I feel like I have done a lot of things um but then and we we did a hike down in Tassie um and and it was the drive home actually so I had no problem we we, we did this hike out at the three capes track my husband and I and we we hiked it and then I, I enjoyed it so much that we ended up dropping our packs running back and then running back because I was like cool running and hiking two very cool things this is amazing that was the first time I really feel like I ran on a trail which that is not a trail because it's a path you know, a groomed path. But that was when I thought this was amazing. And it was the 10-hour drive homes. I I just remember I I couldn't get out of it. Like I had the pain in my, my it was like my glutes. I don't know. Like Anyway, it was the next day trying to drive to work and I went to put my foot on the clutch and I had no movement and I screamed in pain in quiet in the car by myself and that's when I thought, oh, I'm, I'm a fairly stoic person. That I didn't understand. And anyway, for the next six months was me walking around like a robot and pretending nothing was wrong and doing lots of things that I thought I could do for myself without actually talking to a professional, hmm. which is not the advice I give to other people. Isn't that funny? Yeah, um, you, it's hard to take your own advice. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and it was probably about six months or nearly six months I'd tried acupuncture and I'd tried a weekly massage with the lady with, with my massage lady and Nurofen and Panadol, lots of that and a, and a whole bunch of things and it wasn't getting better. I ended up get, asking one of, my, one of my doctors at work and I just said, do you think I need more imaging or do I need something? Because he's like, no, you're fine. I was like, yeah, I know I probably am fine, but it's now ongoing for too long. And, and so anyway, I got an MRI and it showed big problems, went to the doctor and he said, yep, this is what we're going to do. And that was his first thing straight away to me was you need surgery. And I came home and I said to my husband, oh, he wants me to have surgery. I'm not happy to have that, so I don't know what to do. We tried a, a few more things like um, CT-guided steroid injections and nothing worked. And I got to the point where the, at this stage my youngest was one and I like I, 
I remember this as a really bad time for me. I could not lift her out of the cot. And when he was at work and she would be crying, I would be sobbing because I'd be standing beside the cot and I, I just I had no strength in my back to lift her up and I couldn't do my work. And this is why I'm so grateful that I can do whatever I can do now because even just talking about that makes me remember how I felt yeah. that those days during that. Anyway, I had the surgery after 10 days in my mind. I was like, oh, my God, this, this has worked. And my husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to do some gardening. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> I was like, yes, I am. Known for anyway, I ended up having a, yeah. <laughs> I had a few months off work and, and did yoga five times a week. My sister got me a, a, a yoga pass and I ended up just doing this stretching and this beautiful, like, uh, recovery phase for these few months. And I came out the other side of that and thought, oh, my gosh, I've just been given a brand new lease of life. My body is able when... 12 months before that, I literally couldn't, I could not roll over in bed. I would hook my hand in my jean pant, in the side of my jeans to pull my hips around to roll over at night. Like it was, anyway. So then I was like, what can I do to, what can I do that is to, to say thank you for this second opportunity and I'm not going to waste it? So that's when I was like, right, 40, let's double that, let's double that, and now let's double that. So now I just do four or six marathons in a row. Oh, my as gosh. Fun. <laughs> and I think that's a great story because of so many things. <laughs> hey, I love that you're a doctor and you didn't take the advice that you probably yes. would have given to anybody else. <laughs> but you've really come out of it the other end going, like, I know where I've been and I know where I am now, and you're using all of those opportunities that a healthy body, which is something that a lot of people sometimes don't take for advantage of, um, and you're really utilizing it. To the extreme, let's just to say. To the extreme, because yeah. As you mentioned there, you just do like six marathons in a row. And you don't mean like one, one week, one another. You mean like you actually run 240Ks, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. But why not? Because I can. And when I get in the middle of something like that and, and I say, this is not fun anymore. And then the other side of my mouth says, yes, it is. You'd like this. Just keep doing it. It's fun. <laughs> and I have this internal war with myself. I love that. How good is the conversation just speaking to yourself in those moments? Totally. <laughs> just two totally different personas as well. One that's like, screw this. And the other that's like, this is great. This You're is amazing. so fortunate. Like there's so much gratitude here. So yes, uh, I can relate to that. I was having a, I was having a little laugh about that the other day. I was out having a run, and it, I did a six hour a six hour time trial on, and I and I got halfway through it, and I was getting a little bit bored with myself. And I always say out loud, I must look ridiculous to other people if anyone ever sees me. I'm like, come on, Marie, you've got this. Keep going, or you know, whatever my positive. It's always I'm talking to you. It's and I in my mind, I was like, it's like my mouth is not part of my brain. My mouth's my body, and my brain's over here, and the, the mouth talks to the brain. So it's so you can keep going and stop being a winger or whatever else comes out of my mouth. But it's, it's, I think that's I'm a, sure I look ridiculous. It, I think it's a great like thing that we get as ultra athletes though. Like Sarah was talking about, like on her really long trip that she did, she was so grateful for all the self-talk that would happen because it's just you. So you kind yeah, of no one else is talking to you. Exactly. You've got to figure it out. So like I always, so I run with my dogs and sometimes I'm like, good job, Musimu. And then I say to myself, I'm like, actually, I should be telling myself as well. I'm doing a good job. So I think it's a, it's a good thing to be able to 
talk to yourself in those moments. And sometimes it's nice if you can then take it into your normal life as well. I think that, which is the hardest. That's thing. exactly that's exactly it. And that's something that I always think is like, wow, my self talk when I'm on those adventures can be amazing. But then, mm-hmm. you know, as you were saying, it's then like you're asked to compliment yourself and it's like, oh, that's a bit tricky. You know, it's interesting that we we don't necessarily pull that through into day-to-day. Like it's very specific in that moment. It's hmm. actually really interesting because you're right. And we have no problem doing it when you're out there and you're you're grinding away and, you know, <laughs> and you're hurting and you're saying, actually, we're here, we're doing this and, let, you know, do the best you can and, you, and you're pumping yourself up and, yeah, yep, I need to I need to learn to be better at that because I think I'm okay at things. So have some <laughs> confidence. Yeah, indeed. You're pretty good. Like again, this isn't going to be on video, but in the background, I've got a massive <laughs> check from Spartan Trail for the hundred miler for July 10th through 21 of 2021 for winning twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> So I know how good's a novelty check. Oh, that was the highlight. Of, that was the highlight for me. I was like, oh wow, this is amazing. I'm fantastic. I loved it. And so, yeah. I don't need glasses, Blue so I can glasses. see that also in the background there's a there's a first place on that name line. <laughs> so you oh, are yeah, that was a okay. fluke. Oh oh hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about self-talk here. <laughs> okay, that was hard work, dedication, and not good luck. Excellent. There we and, go. and good luck. Good there one. Go. Fair enough. <laughs> so I guess um coming back to we touched on, we can't like talk about the way you run 240Ks and not elaborate on that. So that was for Coast to Cozzy. Would you like to, first of all, explain what that event is, just bearing in mind that we have lots of runners who listen, but also people who aren't runners? Mm-hmm. Uh, Coast to Cozzy is, by self-proclaimed, Australia's premier ultramarathon, um, and it runs from Tootfold Bays in Eden on the coast, on the, on the sand, the rolling tide, and it runs to the top of Australia, which is Mount Kosciuszko. So... Um, it started about 12 years ago by four friends who decided that was going to be a fun thing to do. Um, and then they ended up, it turned into a race. And then every year they open applications around about August and say, if anyone wants to come and do this, you need to apply and you need to qualify. Um, and then they choose 50 people who they think are most suited to be able to complete that distance to try and keep the high finishes rate. Um, so it's not elite, but I guess to they will choose tough trail races or longer races as qualifying races to, um, you know, to try and pick people who they know are going to try and make it through because it's a long distance. And during the race, as I said, you're starting at the beach at sea level with beautiful tepid temperatures of, you know, 19 and 20 degrees. And at times you will go through all the seasons of rain and sun and heat and wind and then you will finish in snow or sleet or minimal visibility. So it just depends what what the race will give you that year. The mountains can be tough. Um, Yeah, so I first applied for that after. So I've done a couple of hundred milers. I did a local one in 2020 um, when I was looking to push my limits a little further after doing UTA 100 for the first time. Was that and, the um, um, Elephant Trail Ultra or something that I saw? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's in Port Macquarie. Um, but the problem 
well, it's not a problem, but the problem with having two small children is that I'm limited to what I can do because I still have to be a parent and my priorities are competing. So instead of being purely selfish and doing everything for myself, I also need to be mindful of my time away from them and my time away from the family and try and work at the same time. So that's a local one that's only four or five hours away and I convinced my husband to come with me and um, got some got some babysitting for the girls and we went away for the weekend and did that. And it's a very, very tough miler. Um, it's a loop course of 27 course, Ks. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and it's it's six loops and it's it starts in the evening. So it's actually over two nights. So the fatigue on the second night is astronomical compared to most things that start in the morning because you run all night then you run all day and you get you rally a little bit and then the second night is absolutely brutal and um so doing that is a very good qualifier for coast to because it's a very tough race and it's it's almost nine thousand elevation and it's yeah it's not a lot of finishes not a lot of starters but not a lot of finishes as well but yeah it, it's good anyway so I, I made it through on the entry of what, that was one of my qualifiers for the first time I went and did Coast to Cozzi, and that was in 2020. And actually, um, my friend who ran that with me, well, we didn't run together. We met there, and then we ended up running together. And he said to me, "You should have a look at Coast to Cozzi. I'm having a look at I'm having a look at that this year." And so I got excited, did all my research, and then applied for that race. And I was very, very grateful to get in. That was good. That was a very different year to 2021, which I then reapplied for and was successful at that. So I've run it twice now. And Um, and 2020 was 40 40 degrees and unbelievably hot and very, very vast conditions to 2021, which was to minus six and sleet and snow. So very different races. And I just want to clarify for people as well, just so this is super clear because if you're thinking of 240 k's you might be thinking this takes a couple of weeks this is a non-stop race how how long did it take you in both instances marie a really long time no. <laughs> it, 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 it's a it's a really big race and it it requires a lot of detail and a lot of coordination and the race directors are amazing um the so it was on hold from in 2018 the bushfires went through so they didn't race there was a a few things going on they had to not do the race and then 2019 was COVID and nothing was happening so 2020 was the first time in a couple of years they got the race back up and running Um, but the logistics of it all is that it's mandatory crew so you have to put a team together and the team must be alongside you all within five to ten k's of you at all times and you need so I might be doing the running, but you need an absolutely dedicated crew who's going to be with you the whole time. So then you have to work out what your limitations are with your crew and can you run straight through and do you need to have a sleep or, you know, there's lots of individual logistics that go along with that. And, and I, select, I selected, I asked my little sister if she would come and crew with me, having nothing to do with the running community at all, um, and she so gratefully gave up her, her time. She's also a nurse, gave up her time and came with me. And then my American friend from who, one of my best friends here in Newcastle, she also took the time off her work and came, both of them knowing nothing. I told them, you know me the best out of all, so you just got to watch me. And when I start whinging, just tell me to shush, <laughs> keep moving, because you know I like it and let's do what we can. So we tried and, anyway, 33 hours and 
change. I can't remember, 33 and a half hours, I think, for the first year that I did it. But as I said, it was it was 39 degrees and I'd said, whatever you do, do not tell me the temperature. <laughs> and I remember at one point complaining, I was like, jeez, it's hot, it's so hot. <laughs> and my sister, my little sister who knows me so well, she just leans her arm out the window and she says to me, in the car as they're going past me, it's 26 degrees you're fine because <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd made a comment to her at one point in my life that 26 degrees is the perfect running temperature and she's like you're fine I was like really it's 26 she said yeah it's 26 do you want a cold coke I was like yeah sure anyway thank if I and then she did take a photo and show me after the race of the temperature on the front of the car that said 39 degrees and I thought if she had a if she had showed me that, it probably would have blown my race up. I don't know. Anyway, look, I was brewing, <laughs> and it just shows the mentality of running as well. It's yes. like, yeah, it's just twenty six <sighs> degrees. You know very well the perfect running conditions. <laughs> but well, how how we can I, make ourselves change, anyways. <laughs> That's a great crew member. Well, <laughs> oh, thankfully she knows. She knows that um, ultra running is, you know, 90% mental and the other 10 is in your head. Yeah. I think I say that all the time. Uh, I've, I've had to teach myself to be a physical runner because I'm not, I'm not the best runner. My my form may not be amazing, whatever, but I, what I lack up in all of those things, I make up with tenacity. So I just, you know, when the, when the chips start, when it gets hard, I just plod along. That's me. So but anyway, so that was 2020, 26 degrees. Um, and warm perfect and sunny yep. <laughs> perfect running conditions <laughs> and then um I, I ended up being sort of a middle of the packer I was I think 14th overall lots of men in there up the top end and some very very amazing women and I think I came uh, I was fifth woman the whole day and then with about three k's to go I sat down at at Siemens Hut, which was um, just coming off the summit of Mount Kosciuszko, and I said to my my friend, uh, who's another friend at work who came with us the first year, who did the summit loop with me, because um, you must have an escort on the summit loop for safety. And and she said to me, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Oh, I am so done." It, it, this was at the thirty three hour mark. She said, "No, you're not." And the girl behind you is coming, so you need to get up and move your boop, boop, down the hill. Let's go. And I was like, oh, you know, I just, I think I, I, for whatever reason, my mental ability did not work that day. Well, it well, did it up to that working. point, 33 yeah, hours. And, and I, and I let this girl go around me. I gave her a clap and I said, well done. Congratulations. You've done amazing. And so she came in 10 minutes before me in fifth place, fifth female. And then I was 10 minutes behind her in six. And then I was so angry at myself. Because I was like, all I had said was I need to complete this race. I don't care what time, but I need to be in the top five women because that's what I want. Because there wasn't very many women either, so mm. I, was, I knew it was sort of doable. But when I was 10 minutes outside that, I had to try it again. <laughs> so I, I, it's it's for my own self like and, and the numbers that I set for myself. I'm not, I'm not necessarily racing others ever. I race myself and what I think I can achieve and what I can do for me. And so then I was like, right, the next time I go back, I want to be in the top three women. And so, unfortunately, COVID stopped a lot of starters last year in 2021 and instead of having 50 starters which were selected, only 37 people made it to the start line. That meant that was quite a diminished uh, field and, I don't know, I feel like I did a Bradbury um, because I set out well and uh, my race plan came together. I used the same crew and I had an extra, uh, an extra friend or two in there as well. And we, we, we just managed to stay up front and, 
I had a really good start to the race and the weather was cold, but I had practiced throughout the year just being comfortable running in not comfortable conditions. You know, so if it's raining, I was still running. And if it yeah. was really cold, I was still running. And I, I used to, oh, it's raining, I'm not going out, or it's windy, I'm not going to go out, I know it'll be terrible. But now, now I just think it doesn't matter what the, it doesn't matter, I run because I enjoy it. So I practiced doing all that all year. And so then when it was wet and rainy and it rained the entire time, it was horrible. And I went through, you know, eight crossings, creek crossings up to my knees of water. <laughs> and it was, my sister's got some video footage of it. And it's hilarious because I'm just like stomping along in this, you know, wet, I'm in just wet clothes, wet feet all day. And I, and she's like, you just love this. I was like, yeah. Every day she, you just love Love this. Every time I went past, I was like, yeah. It's 26 degrees. It's perfect running weather. (laughs) Well, I did say to her, it's never going to be lower than 17 degrees this this race, is it? And she said, what? I'm like, it's not ever going to be lower than 17 (laughs) degrees. I thought, because it worked last year, I was letting her let it work again this this second year, but knowing full well that at the end of the race it was minus six. Uh, It was 17 degrees and perfect (laughs) coming up to Charlotte's Pass. So I was telling myself is. anyway and, <laughs> with uh, seven layers. Yeah. And you did correct me as well, um, Marie, like just through our conversation before, um, like leading up to the podcast and stuff, that the 2021 race was a what they call an inclement weather race. Is that right? No, no. The other way around. So, gotcha. oh, yes, sorry, 2021. Yeah. yeah. So um, just so they have they changed the finish depending on uh, the – weather and because the weather at Mount Kosciuszko can turn very very quickly um so in 2020 it was the full 240 they don't they don't say you still didn't complete the race the 240 race um they just say they revised the finish line and so what tends to happen as a general rule and what I've seen in history there is you'll get some runners who are at the front will make it through and then they'll call an inclement weather after about 10 runners go through so in 2020 only one more runner made it back in time after me to finish the full 240 and after that they called the inclement weather. So the rest of the people coming up the mountain didn't have to do the summit loop. Um, and it's disappointing when you don't get that finish but because, you you know, in your mind, you, you I don't know, in my mind I was like, oh, I feel like I'm not finished yet, you know, or I feel like there's more to go or I should do it again to get that. But safety first always, which is great. Yeah. Um, and anyway, this year or 2021 just gone, they ended up calling the inclement weather finish before the first runner was even coming up the mountain, which meant that every single finisher of 2021 had the same finish line, which is great. Mm. Because otherwise you said, so like in 2021, in 2020, the front runners finished in 26, 27, 28 hours. And then by the time, and they did the 240. And by the time, like just after me, they were 18k short without the summit loop and the time. So it's very, it's hard to, but it, I mean, it, with Costa Cosa, you're not sort of racing each other. I guess you are in a sense, but you're racing yourself and, you, and you're achieving something yourself. So time is a personal goal for most people rather than, so completion is really the end result that most people are looking for. And you did come into but 2021, anyway. um, like you said, you know, chasing that kind of fifth place finish. How'd you end up doing? Yeah, that? I just I just wanted to do I just wanted to do better myself. I my my personal philosophy is beat beat my yesterday or be better than I was, which is the only reason why I have Strava because I think well two years ago I could run this at this pace, you know, if there's a segment somewhere. I think 
am I have have I improved myself or am I doing better this year or am I gaining or am I getting fitter or am I being better? So that's the only reason why I keep that is to see if I'm making improvements on myself. Otherwise, I certainly want that. But yeah, um, yeah, I came in, I came in first female, uh, which was very exciting, um, and I was uh, I think the only woman in the top ten. Amazing. And specifically, you were the- fourth overall. So not only did you get your top five. <laughs> female finisher you got top five overall finisher in an oh which was amazing year. yeah that's incredible yeah. and um I my how I make myself feel good about it too is that out of the top 10 runners nine of those have represented Australia and I'm the only one who has not so I'm I feel like that makes me feel good about where I came and what I did if I was to compare myself around the people that I'm racing or running with. So totally. it felt amazing. Incredible. It felt amazing. Incredible. It was a hard work and it all paid off. Yeah, goodness me. And in terms of just, I mean, you talked a bit about the logistics with crew. They're obviously a huge, huge part. Um, and I totally hear your gratitude for those people as well because they give up their own time to do that and their annual leave and everything else. But in terms of like just keeping going nutrition-wise, how do you prepare for something like that? Uh, it's a lot of practice. I I tend to be pretty easy to for, for my running. I'm, it's just uh, like a nutrition drink is pretty much all I can stomach or handle. And it's taken me a long time to practice eating and drinking on the run because I'm notorious for underfueling and underhydrating. Uh, considering I know what I'm supposed to be doing. That's me again, not following all the recommendations. But it, I must admit, once I started doing the right things after learning and failing, you know, failing in the, like failing for myself, not failing overall, but realising actually the more, if you hydrate, you're actually going to do a better job. Or if you take it on the, the right amount of fuel, you're going to do a better job. So, um, yeah, it's probably like, I don't know if I could, it's just tailwind basically for me because yeah. it's very easy on the tummy for me. I We've been having a few uh, technological issues. So depending on how Kristen edits this, just letting you know, thank you so much, Marie, for your patience with us. So no where problems. were we? We were talking about Costa Cozzi. Crew members getting all of that kind of sorted out as well. Nutrition. And I'm particularly mm. interested too, Marie. Um, again, you kind of have like alluded to it a little bit during the conversation um, and it was a particularly... I guess, relevant topic when we had my parents on last week as well, of just navigating all of your training and getting out. Both you and your husband are shift workers. You have two girls. You both want to do these big, amazing things. How do you, I guess, balance everything? Uh, Priorities, competing priorities. I think um, my dad always said, you'll always give your effort where you want to. So I just make sure that the family has some of my effort and then I put the rest into running and then I recover at work. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my boss doesn't hear that. Yeah. Uh, well, I figure if I can train all morning, I work after hours. I'm an after hours manager of the emergency. So I don't start until 2.30 every day. So I leave home at 2. So I know that if I'm up at 6 with the girls and get them off to school and then I'll train. Um, and some like so Friday I got home at quarter to one. I had a shower. I had some lunch and I started work at 1.30. You know, I just you do what you have to do. I guess if you really want something, you'll you'll make it work. So that's how we make it work. 
Yeah. And then the flip side of that, do you think that the fact that you do, I mean, it sounds nonstop, to be honest. And I know you said to us before you came on that you got home from work at midnight last night and then you were up with the kids at six. Do you think, I mean, do you deal well with sleep deprivation as a result? Is that a strength of yours when it comes to these massive races? No. <laughs> uh, I I get grumpy. Uh, I, I actually sleep really well. Uh, maybe it's because I've burned so much energy or I put so much out that uh, if I'm not at work and I'm, I don't work full-time, uh, I work around my husband who's full-time. So he does four days and then I do three. So I'm... I'm the lucky one. I only I'm, I'm home four nights a week, um, and on those days I'm in bed at eight o'clock. So I it's a little bit of catch up, or you know. So that, so last night, yeah, what might have only been five or six hours sleep, but three nights ago I had eleven, and the night before that I had twelve, or whatever whatever my body needs. And the good thing is, is my husband understands that you know he he gets six hours sleep, but he's fine. Uh, for me, any more than one or two days in a row with six hours sleep, and I'm not fun to be around. So. I, I don't have to justify my need for extra sleep, and he's really good like that. So off to bed at 8.30. It's taking care of yourself. I'm a party animal, can you tell? Yeah, <laughs> taking care of yourself <laughs> so that you can be the best person showing up for the family when you are there. Yeah, I really appreciate yeah. that. And with you running around and doing work and all of these awesome you know, events and adventures and everything else, do you find that that influences the girls? Do you notice anything in them that's kind of sparking interest for them? Uh yeah, they're, they're pretty good, actually. They, um, My husband, because I generally work the weekends being after hours, so it'll be the Friday, Saturday, Sunday evenings or the Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, but on the weekends, if we are home together, we'll go out the beach or we will take them on hikes. There's lots of local trails here and and we have, there's a creek. In the, in the local trails, there's a creek that's about 5Ks from home. And I always have the girls, let's go to the creek and we'll take cupcakes and a popper and we hike over to the creek and, sit there until the mozzies annoy us and then we'll hike back and they don't realise they've done a 10k loop and it gets us all out of the house and they absolutely adore it so you know they also get on their bikes up and down the street and we walk to school and yeah they're fantastic I my in 2013 we went over and did Everest Base Camp my husband and I and we also did Annapurna Sanctuary so we went up and did the base camp of Annapurna and so the one thing we haven't done is the Annapurna Circuit and I remember we were hiking along um, with our guide and I saw this little kid and this mum and dad. They had He had nothing, this tiny little backpack on or like a little camelback. And I remember saying to my husband, if we ever have kids, man, I'm making my kids do that. So I have, had said it for years that when my youngest turns five, we're going to do the Annapurna circuit with the kids because if somebody else can make their five-year-old do it, I'm making mine. But yeah, COVID came around and we didn't have to, but that's really good. I'm really grateful that has happened because – um, some days when we're walking to school, which is about 500 metres from home, my younger says, oh, my legs are so sore. <laughs> I'm like, mate, for real? You, you literally walked out the door at 100 metres. And I always say, well, <laughs> so I can't stand that. But look, most of the time they're fairly resilient, but some days when their legs are sore after 50 metres, I, I have no words. That's just like sounding like me though. Some days I feel like I could run tapes and some days it's 100 meters. I'm like, this can be long. That's true. That's true. So credit. You know, they're really, they're really good too. They go swimming and we do swimming um, and that's one of their favorite things. And, you know, yeah, they're, they're pretty active. They're full on actually, full on. And do you still have that Annapurna circuit dream? Yes. I just need to get them to work. Well, maybe 10Ks a day if we do the creek and back a few times. <laughs> 
Now, school holidays tend to be good. I think during these school holidays, the only way for me to get my running in is to take them with me. So, I, you know, it turns into a little bit of black path running and, you know, it's not necessarily quality, but it's it's fun being with the girls. And I say, you know, here's a 10K loop. You guys get on your bike and I'll run behind you and we do that. And then I'll encourage them by saying, oh, so we did this in, you know, 51 minutes yesterday. Let's try for 50 and then we'll stop and get a milkshake or whatever we need to do to get the job done. And and they do up to 50 or 60 Ks on their bike a week during school holidays. So they're pretty good. That is impressive. I do have to push the back of the seat on the little one a few times because her little pedals go around and around and around so fast and she can't keep up. We do all right. It's arm strength, strength building at the same time, you know. At one stage, stage I remember having the dog lead because he's too old now. He doesn't come running. He used to come running with us, but he can't anymore. Um, And I'd have the the dog leg tied to the front of the bike and I'd be pulling one girl along on her bike (laughs) with the dog leg. I must look absolutely ridiculous to other people, but I don't care. I just, I do what I have to do. I love that. That's so good. I cannot wait to see your girls in like, you know, when they're 20 to 30 and see what they're doing. I think that's going to be really, really fun. Not, maybe even earlier. Yeah, they'll start adventuring. Like, I hope so. Before that. That's awesome. That's so cool. Oh, before COVID, we used to do a ski trip every year. And so they, they were out skiing from two years old. And so, they, you know, they're happy to give everything a go to. Maybe they get that from us. But I don't know. They're, they're fantastic. So. doesn't sound like they have too we'll much see. of a choice anyways. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. They have no choice. Yeah. Now you casually just dropped in there that you had done Everest Base Camp. I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. So was... Talk about that experience. That's amazing. That was amazing. Ah, oh, that was absolutely amazing. Flying that, get, get, being on that plane and flying from Kathmandu up into Lukla Airport. It's a very short runway. I don't know if you've ever heard about it. It's I've the world's shortest it, yeah. and most most dangerous runway. I'm, I've, I've got the whole thing on video. I filmed the whole thing because I was like, if we die... Well, no one's going to see my film, but, hey, I was like, I'm going to have it on video. Um, it was amazing. We we had a couple of months um, and we'd done some hikes in Tassie and we'd done a whole bunch of stuff and we'd been home for a couple of years, so very keen to get moving and going travelling again. This was 2013, I think, yeah, and the beginning of 2013. And so that's why I said I always wanted to do that. My husband got a little bit sick with altitude sickness and I pretty much pushed him from the second last day with my hand on his back to get to the base the, the night before um, the base camp, which is, uh, I think, which town is Dongbushay or Lopushay. I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head. And then he spent the next two days. So I pushed him up to base camp and I said, sit there for a photo. And he looks so miserable in the photo. He's like, <laughs> it's, and it, <laughs> he's like, he doesn't really remember it very well. He felt absolute garbage. We turned around, popped in there, and he stayed in bed. And then the next morning was our wedding anniversary, actually. And I went up to Kalapatar by myself. So it's the side from Everest Base Camp. You go forward, and then there's a side hill that goes up to 5,500 elevation from that same base. And I went up there the next morning and did sunrise up there by myself. And uh, I remember just thinking, oh, I'm at the top of the world, this is amazing. And then I started going, oh, cool, imagine if I could summit the top of Mount Everest. And I came down that day, and he's there feeling like rubbish. And you know, half vomiting everything he ate. And he, I was like, we should start training to summit Everest. He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've never talked about it again. <laughs> oh my it was God. only while I was there I was caught in the moment, but it was. I just thought, imagine 
imagine being able to do that. That would be amazing. But I'll resign to the fact that base camp is probably the highest I'll get. But it was amazing. Which is still, it's definitely you should do it. Yeah, like yeah. I. I almost want them to change the name from base camp to something else because just, I mean, getting to Everest base camp is so incredible because you think of base camp and, you know, potentially other spots and stuff and you're kind of at the bottom or something like that. But it's a huge feat and the fact that you went even further than that is awesome. Um, it's definitely unfortunate that your husband got a bit of Poor the guy. altitude sickness. But it Sorry, happens. I'm happy to go without him. Yeah, 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 you can do it yourself. <laughs> but it, it happens. It, like even people who come in, they get all of the um, you know altitude tents and stuff. It's one of those ones that if it knocks you out, it, it really knocks you out. So, yeah, yeah. Mm. But- it's, it, all of that sort of stuff's not selective. It's the same when, you know, I think about my back surgery. Three of my colleagues at work, not – not direct colleagues, but three people I know who are nurses and paramedics who are friends of mine have had same similar surgeries mm-hmm. and not had good outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do think I'm very lucky, but I put it down to a lot of things that I did around that when that happened as well. But it's the same with altitude sickness. You could be the fittest person in the world and one day you'll be fine, but the next day you won't be fine. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, I guess you can say that for COVID too. So it knocks people around. Some people don't suffer and, and others do and, you know, we're all made up differently. Yeah, a bit of a different experience and happy wedding anniversary as you're having this beautiful sunrise moment and he's like throwing up in a tent. <laughs> I didn't think about him once. No. <laughs> I guess I'm curious because we've obviously, we've we've focused on like Costa Cozzi and your racing and then mm-hmm. you just, you know, casually chuck in that you've done Everest Base Camp and you also talked about the Three Capes track. So you have one side there, which is adventure, not competitive. Mm-hmm. And the other, which is your racing competitive side. Mm-hmm. Why do you choose to race when you you already have that interest in adventuring and doing those long trips, for example? But why do you specifically choose to race? I don't know. Uh, I think I think it's because I'm just I'm good. I realise I'm good at it because I I think and I really enjoy it. So it's not um, it's not a chore. So even the first time I did Costa Cozy, I was going there to complete, not to compete. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up being reasonably good. And I thought, oh, well, I will beat my yesterday and I will do better for myself next time. And so I just happened to get the ultimate um, position, you know, like I, I beat myself, which is what I was aiming for. I just happened to beat a few others along the way because they are amazing athletes who who attend that race. And the same thing happened at BTU. I, so in BTU in 2000. 21 yeah to think of the years there I my family's all in Brisbane and all I wanted to I've always said I want to race somewhere where I can just have a holiday at the same time so I got to I my sister who lives in Brisbane I said to her can you crew me her also knowing nothing about racing I have lots of sisters by the way um and, and she was like yeah sure come and stay at my house and I'll drop you to the start line and pick you up and drop stuff in the middle of the race and you know I, so I got to see her her um, my new, my new nephew and um, and her family and the rest of my parent my parents are in Brisbane as well and so it was nice I got to tie all that up with the racing and I just happened to do my best on the day which happened to be the best by the other women on the day because I was fourth overall at that race out of about forty people I think as well so three men in front of me and then first first woman I mean, yeah. it ha- it just I, I don't want to say good luck because as I said it's not luck I I. I train hard and I work hard and I pursue what I can do and I and I put my energy and my effort into my training and I learn and I grow every day. Um, 
but I just happened to be doing okay at it. So I was like, well, you know, my first ever trail race was in 2019 and it was only that um, someone mentioned something about the six-foot track and I was like, oh, I'll have a go at that. If it's hard to get in, we'll see. And I, and I ended up getting in I think, and I did a very slow time but I still completed it and that's why then I tried it again the following year to beat myself. So it's only, you know, my first, I did three races in 2019 and I did one or two races in 2020 and three last year. That's it. Like mm. I've not raced that much. Well, these are long races you're doing. Let's, let's not, you know, it's not like. Yeah, but that's, I also don't, I also don't have to talk to anyone. No, that's not true. I, I just get to do what I want to do, which is being outdoor. And I love just exploring and doing, I like being by myself and, going trail running by myself and, and, and that's why, I don't know I just really do it yeah, and that's why I asked you why you specifically choose to race because you can be on your own you can push yourself you can just choose to fast pack or set your own route and do that it sounds to me like mm. it's very much about you you are still very focused on competing against yourself and improving each time that you go out there well, yeah, I, I made, I've made a comment before that I, I only do everything twice because I do something and then I try and do it better for myself the second time, um, which is I'm returning to BTU this year just to do better for myself. Um, you know, I may not be the best overall. There may be people who are better and stronger and faster than me and that's okay because mm. I'm not racing those people. I'm just going to, I just want to do better than myself. Um, but maybe it's because I am type A and in my job I'm always you know, ticking boxes and doing all these things. So maybe that just gives me an outlet to be able to put focus my energies to say, well, actually work towards something rather than just mindlessly doing those things. Because I can do those things without a goal, mm. absolutely. But I guess putting a goal at the end of it makes my training feel like it's worthwhile to me, perhaps. Yeah, indeed. And then in terms of your training, I know in your interview with Shona, you mentioned that you didn't have a coach. Is that still the case? Do you still coach yourself? Yeah. I was going to say, I do have a coach, but my coach is very hard on me. That's just me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't, I don't, I have thought about it, but I feel like I get the best out of myself anyway. And I, I will hold myself accountable and I will do what I say I'm going to do. And I probably could learn a lot from having a coach. And I think, I think potentially one day I might get one, but I also am so busy. I haven't had time to research or put time into finding someone who's going to fit me. And so sometimes, like right now, I'm training I'm training for two different, totally different things, which is probably never, ever going to be recommended by a coach. So for me to get what I want to do, I have to be the boss of me. So, you know. I think that's awesome. I don't, yeah. Yeah, and they're great tricks to have and recognize that you have. Again, you have so many compliments for yourself. I don't know why you struggled. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, you have all the compliments for me. <laughs> Thank I've you, by my, the way. I've got my bike pump. It's just pumping everybody up. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so it's that resiliency factor. It's the accountability that a lot of people need for a coach as well. You might get to a stage, but you might not of, you know, wanting to research and find a coach that works for you too. Um, but I was, I did want to talk to you about what you are doing because I think it's really interesting. So you're going to be running BTU. Is that in July? And I should yeah, say Brisbane Trail Ultra. Yeah. And it's the 100 mile yeah. that you're going to do again. Yeah, I'm going to try that one again. Amazing. I've got some I've got some good competition this year too again, so it's nice. You know, I, makes that I think work that well. the female field is going to be really stacked. It'll be fun. Like I yeah. know you're just racing yourself, everything else, but like go for it. 
<laughs> oh no, I, I will try my best. And we and my best was pretty good last year. I, you know, I'm I'm hoping that my training's been focused enough that I was be able to deliver for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone's better and faster than me, then fantastic. And I I say good luck and and do your best. That's you know. Everyone has their own reasons why they do everything they do. My, I do it just to show my body that it's it's giving me everything I want and I'm going to use it to its best of its ability, you know, so. Totally. I think it's going to be really fun to watch just from the sidelines anyways. I'm not personally doing it by any means. But then you mentioned that five weeks later you're going to be doing something. No, five weeks before. Oh, before, sorry. Five weeks before, that totally mm. changes the game as well. Yes, it does, because that may be in about three and a half weeks' time. Yeah, yeah. You were doing something <laughs> totally different, which is a 24-hour track race. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. 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 So, it, and I still, I'm still, i still yet to put my feet on an athletics track, would oh, you believe? Really? And it's three and, a, three and a half. It'll be yeah, three and a half weeks this week, or four weeks if you count two days ago. Right. Um, until that is, and that's in Sydney. That's a Southern Sydney 24-hour track. Um, and the race director there, Stephen, he's raced Coast to Cozzy with him a couple of times. He's fantastic. Oh. And there's a lot of people that I'll be familiar with because there's a lot of Coast to Cozzy crew that I'll be turning up there and, and their crew. So it should be a really nice community feel for myself. And I'll be taking the crew that I've used at Coast to Cozzy. They're again giving me their invaluable time and, and coming down to sit on the sidelines and talk rubbish to me when, I, when I'm getting tired. So it's, it's actually going to be a nice time to get together but yes we'll we'll see so my coach being me has you know <laughs> is is getting me to do very mundane boring loops around my local park at least once a week non-stop crewing myself out of the back of my car so I park my car on the side of the park which is 100 meters away from my house mm-hmm. and I put my 10 liter water bottle in the boot and I put my three or four changes of t-shirts and my and my sports drink and whatever else I desire at the time and off I go and put my put my stopwatch on in the back of the car and do six hours straight or however many I need and get get that done and then the next day I go right it's time to get up in the hills and train for the other thing because we can't neglect that can we so absolutely it's a mix so you mentioned <laughs> I don't know if it's going to pay off we'll see I think it's a really cool experiment and yeah if you kind of go in with an open mind I think you'll have fun regardless um so the why behind it <laughs> because that sounds so <laughs> mundane and boring to me so you mentioned community feel that there's a lot of Costa Cozy people the race director people that you're gonna be seeing so there's probably a bit of that pulling you um mm-hmm. to that track race what are your goals mm-hmm. like why have you chosen to do that five weeks before a very hilly 100 miler yeah well Stephen reached out to me that's the race director and said hey would you be interested in this and I thought well actually yeah just something different it's always nice to try something different so so the thing for me is I've never done it before which means I can do whatever I want so if I decide to walk the whole thing I can walk the whole thing or I can run it or I can walk three laps and walk one I haven't decided on a strategy that I would use to sustain a 24 hours continuous without stopping yet um what I won't do is finish before 24 hours I you know like I won't pull out regardless unless I'm dying even then it's debatable Uh, you know like crawling across the track field (laughs) maybe I, I guess maybe that's my background that my my background is that I know enough that if something you can just you can determine if something is a sinister pain or if it's not. So you can tolerate pain. And how long are you willing to suffer? I'm willing to suffer, and I know what my limitation is because I, 
feel like I've been there. But also, you know, if, if something happens or something's hurting at the time, I can say, is this going to be the undoing of me or is this going to be sinister or is this going to cause a long-term problem? And that's when I know when to stop. Yeah. And if not, I say, well, stop finding an excuse. You're in, you're in a pain situation now, but it is limiting. It, it will stop when all this stops. So push through or don't push through or whatever, you know. All of this psychology, I, I feel like I've I can work that out for myself. But yeah, twenty four hours, we'll see. I've never done it before. If if I only achieve hundred kilometers, then that's all. But if I achieve two hundred kilometers, that would be amazing. And I've I've said it. I've said a thing to myself to say that if I can hit two hundred kilometers during the twenty four hours, then I've really done an amazing job. And if I don't, I won't be too disappointed. But it just means I'll have to go back another year and try and do better so if I set the bar too high this year you know then it'll be harder to beat the next year your coach is tough I'm telling you I know I know she's had over 40 years experience with me (laughs) what's the uh, coach's recommendation for in between the 24 hour track into BTU so I've, I've had to, I've, I sit down at my computer with my Excel spreadsheets open. I'm so type A. Um, and I, I've tried to determine which one I want to be my A race, as in which one I want to put my eggs more into and yeah. see how I go. Yeah. And my love for trails keeps pulling me over to the Brisbane Trail Ultra because I do love the trails. And when it does get tough, I can find a goodness in there. And I always look around, I think, where would you rather be? Well, who else can do this where I am? And look what I get to see. And I don't have to look after kids or feed them dinner or go to work today. And I get to, so I can always find an amazing reason why I'm doing BTU or any other trail race. So trail is probably where I'm, I'm sticking with doing as much elevation as I can while also trying to train my brain to be comfortable being bored when I'm super bored. So it's between will be, Depends how I achieve or what I can achieve at the 24-hour track. And so regardless, the outcome will be what it will be. And if I've done the work, it will be a good outcome for myself. And if I if I, I don't feel like I'm going in underdone, I feel like I should come out quite pleasantly happy with myself. And then during the time between, I'm not sure that I'm going to be doing too much other than maintaining and resting. And so the body requires maintenance and um I think if you don't look after it, it won't look after you. So I've spent the last four and a half years since my back surgery ensuring that I maintain this body to be able to do what I want it to do. And so I will just we'll take it day by day and if I feel like I can run, I'm going to hit the trails and if I feel like I can't, then I will rest and I will recuperate and, I, you know, so we'll see. See, if I, ended up, if I ended up only walking this 24-hour track or something happens and I don't, get a high distance then I'll be hitting the trails three days later and beating myself up <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy to take it as it goes and I don't know do I the best so I can do I'm excited for you it's I just such it's a so it's yeah. so cool I've always had a curiosity about track races like that as well I haven't done one and I do think well I tell a lie I've done a lap race like a last man standing that was on a crit track so it was 1.6 I really want to do that so much fun and I think I mean, you're obviously just so determined and so driven. Mindset's just going to be huge when you're lapping and lapping and lapping. But it is also the repetitive nature in terms of your body and your feet striking the ground, which is different to yep. trails as well. There's nothing mixing it up, yep. right? And it's do you, yep. How often do you change direction on this? Do you know? Uh, yeah, it's every four hours, Yeah, which is great. Yeah. 
<laughs> something exciting to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I because I, it's funny because I've been doing I've been doing these training runs around this park and I see I start at five o'clock in the morning and I'm still going at two o'clock in the afternoon. So the people who do their school drop off are walking past them and they're walking past in the afternoon. They're like, hey, hang on. Um, but I in my mind, I'm like, this is fantastic because I'm not bored yet. Occasionally I start getting a little bit, okay, it's almost time to put the headphones in and maybe pick up a podcast or, or put some music on or change something. And so if I can hold that out as long as I can and when those when my brain starts to not fail, fail's not the word, when my brain starts to wander and I start thinking, you know, I'd rather not be here anymore, I'm, I'm thinking about something else or, you know, that's when I might try a podcast or some music or science books or something. You know, and I'll change the focus and then I'll do that for an hour and then I'll go back to nothing. And see I think, like, personally, I, I know everyone's different, but I think it's incredible you can run for six hours around a park without music or podcast. <laughs> like, I feel like that's the only thing that would get me through. You must be so comfortable in your head just running. I remember once hearing um, there's a local runner here, Vlad, who is an amazing runner he's one of he's one of Australia's best he's fantastic and he I remember hearing him on a podcast once saying the thing with ultra running is you've got to be comfortable being by yourself because you spend so much time being by yourself and this is years ago I heard this and I remember thinking to myself oh am I comfortable by myself I thought yeah I really am I am I'm happy with my own thoughts and because my life is so full and busy when I'm by myself I it's so peaceful I, I just it's so great so I can I I enjoy that peaceful time, so, right? Um, or I listen to my breath, or whatever it is. Yeah, like it sounds cheesy, but it's almost like a meditation in that sense. From yes, you describe it. Yeah, yeah, in a way. Yeah, I think we're. And then you get to look at the birds and do whatever you want. Yeah, it's a like very unique and um, very privileged experience to be able to spend twenty four hours, like you mentioned, of all you have to focus on is you're going one way for four hours. Your feet. You're gonna change the direction in four hours, and then you're gonna go back that way in four hours, and you just have to focus mm -hmm. on eating, drinking, mm -hmm. and moving. Like that's a and really I, and I almost don't even have to focus on the eating and drinking because my crew will be there saying, "Here, eat this. Here, drink yeah, this. Good Here, your point. time is up. Here, do this." So I literally just have to do what I like doing, which is move my move my body. So yeah, that's a yeah, I'm stoked. Thing. That'll be a really cool experience, and I'm stoked to see how that goes, and then how BTU goes. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, it should be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. Is there any sort of like big, um, scary adventures? races events multi-stages anything that's like kind of in the distance for you that's like oh that would be really cool if I could ever get there yeah I always said to my husband I want to do a multi-stage across Africa or something like I would love to do that but you know with the girls being so young and unless they're going to crew me which it's, they're too young now but I, I reckon I've got time to work on that <laughs> at this at this stage you know I, I don't even have anything past BTU my, my calendar's empty I'm just I, I would love to do West Max Monster as well which is the 230 from Mount Sonder back into Alice like but I don't know if I necessarily want to race that or whether I actually just want to hike that the yeah, Larapinta yeah, Trails yeah. because it's just it, it's it's beautiful territory that I would love to be on I don't necessarily need the time pressure to race it, but I would like to take the family out there and do it that holiday and put my and, and, and do that as a yeah, maybe even just a hike. Like I said, not necessarily a race. There's there's so many beautiful parts of Australia that I've seen a lot of it, but I haven't seen enough of it. 
and the world. Yep. I think I've still got 120 countries to visit before I die. So, 120? Are you counting like all yeah. of them? Yeah. Well, there's I think there's 195 in total, isn't there? And I've seen I've seen 70 something. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You have, you, do you have to minus any of them, like North or North Korea or anything like that? <laughs> Ukraine at the moment, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a few places that I think the number has changed since I last added up. I when my husband and I travelled, I wrote a blog and it's still online, but it's a hidden you like you can't find it unless you know the address. And uh, I I bought this tiny little laptop, you know, a seven inch laptop because this is the days before iPads or anything. And I bought this little computer and I used to upload all my photos onto it and then write this blog. And then whenever we had free Wi-Fi or something, we'd have to buy a coffee in a cafe to get this Wi-Fi. And I would try and upload the blog for people at home because you didn't have phones. Like Skype was never, didn't really work and you couldn't contact anyone at home and we were away for a long time and no one knew where we were because we didn't have a, we didn't really know where we were going until the week before. And so I had this blog. I can't remember why I was telling you that. Anyway, random. And it, well, oh. a little interesting. It is, it is quite funny how we do travel really differently. Yeah, I remember traveling in Europe with a girlfriend, and yeah, even t- 2011 or something. Like the first time I called my parents was eight weeks into it or something. I'm like, hey, I'm still alive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I remember. I was, I was there saying that, you know, having all this. So that's how I knew my, I was ticking these countries off as we were going around them on this blog and, you know, writing about each country on the blog. And I remember thinking, yes, yeah, so much of the world to see. I know I've seen a little bit of it, and I've had this beautiful taste of, meeting all these amazing people and doing these amazing things that unfortunately because of world events are no longer standing like there's a photo in our toilet I've got a couple of travel photos in the toilet and one of them is Crack de Chevaliers which is in Syria near Homs it's one of the last crusader castles and I think it's been bombed in the last couple of years so it's no longer standing but I have all these photos of places where I've been or the Bell Temple in Palmyra in Syria like all of these places and I think see other people are never going to experience them and I thankfully have and it's amazing, but there's so much more to see and I want to never settle down. So I never want to, I don't want to ever take for granted travel and COVID was really difficult because we're going nowhere. But as soon as the kids are old enough, they had passports from six weeks old because I was like, we're going travelling and we've never been anywhere. So anyway, we will one day. Exactly. It is opening up. Again, my parents were out from America. I feel like we're on a good so cool. roll with things. So yeah, yeah, uh, you guys will be doing some pretty cool stuff as a family i'm really excited yeah hopefully unless their legs hurt (laughs) (laughs) that's right it sounds like you've got some pretty good pushing muscles from getting your husband up to ever's base camp and then your daughter down to school or just on the bike (laughs) i'm pretty sure you've got two hands you could at least push two (laughs) whatever keeps them moving that's it that's it i love that very cool. All right. I'm super conscious of time, especially with our technical issues. We have kept you for quite a while, Marie. And Mother's Day. And Mother's Day. <laughs> and I feel like we could talk forever. You've obviously done so many incredible things, both adventure and race-wise. You're an incredibly strong athlete. It's so great to get those insights from you, especially for those super long races that people only dream of and to hear how you worked your way up from a half marathon all the way through to just crushing 240K. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Is there anything else you would like to add before we ask you our final question? No, uh, every day is an adventure. So do everything you can. And if, if you ever want to do something, do it. 
I feel like if you if you listed three things, I've probably done them, which is it, it's really a great thing to say. And I want to teach the generation that I'm below me, my two, that to, to make sure that they go and seek out those things and try everything and do everything. And life is an oyster. Love it. Oh, so good. All right. So you've like given us that profound thought. And now I'm going to ask you this question, <laughs> which is I used to coach a bunch of little girls mountain biking on our trail network here and if they needed to go to the bathroom they would ask if they could go for a wild wee so our question for you is tell us about your wildest wee you know I knew you would ask this but I I don't necessarily have an answer because I just wee wherever I want all the time when I'm out running I'm sorry. Uh, but one thing that did come to mind, and because I said to my husband, oh, this is one thing they always, this is one thing they always say. And I was, we were laughing about uh, somebody else's world of story. I think uh, Megan Brown did Kokoda. I've also done Kokoda. And when I was listening to her talk about the view from the toilet on the first night, I have seen that view. And when I was listening to it, I thought to myself, yes, that is an amazing view. And I also, leaned back and took a photo of that view as well. So, so it's fantastic. But uh, it it made me think of, um, uh, so my husband's uh, family is from South Africa and he is was born in South Africa. And so we travelled from the bottom of South Africa after staying with family friends all the way up through to Ethiopia and up through the Middle East. And it took us, uh, you know, just under a year to do that many years ago. But we were in the Okavango Delta, which is in Botswana. And I am notorious for having a terrible terrible gastro events when I eat anywhere all the time because I eat everything and I try everything and we're in the middle of the Okavanga Delta and I got out of the tent one night and I woke up and said you need to come with me because I'm desperate to go to the toilet and there were the hippos there were hippos everywhere and the it's obviously echoey because they clearly weren't as close as I thought they were and I said you need to come with me because I need to go to the toilet and I don't want to go by myself he's like you're right like 50 metres that way. And I was like, no, there are hippos everywhere. And so I was sitting on the toilet to go to the toilet and he was like two metres behind me and the noise of a hippo. And I literally jumped up, ran with my pants down back to the tent because I thought a hippo was coming. It wasn't. And the rangers would have kept us safe that time. But I remember just thinking that I remember getting back in the tent and we were pissing ourselves laughing because I was like half pants down in the middle of the night in the middle of the Okavango Delta, scared of a hippo that probably wasn't as close as I thought. And he's just like, you are an idiot. Why did you just do that? Why didn't you just finish what you were doing? I was like, because I thought a hippo was going to eat me. Oh, so awesome. very, lots of very cool stories. But <laughs> I, that one does stand out because I love hippos too and I didn't want to be afraid of them, but I'm seriously afraid of them because they can kill a person. They're but, powerful. Yeah, they are very valid to be scared of. Well, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for yeah, your time, Marie. You. That's been amazing. I thank actually you. would request to get you back on. I am really <laughs> interested to see how your 24-hour goes and then BTU. So good luck to both of them. Um, we'd thank love you. love to hear about your experiences later. If anybody wants to find you online, um, what's the best place? Uh, I'm a very sporadic poster on an Instagram account and I'm very rarely if I do it'll I'll purge three pictures and then it'll be two months and I'll do something else maybe even a year sometimes um but it's just Marie Connor underscore on Instagram uh, other than that I have not very big presence everywhere I have a Facebook account but I very rarely use it and I that's about it but yeah I, I would I wish I just had if I had a PA 
um, to uh, post my pics. I, although I also don't take my phone running with me anymore, so all my pics, yeah, a bit slack. I'm so slack. But I also wanted to keep it as a log to give to the kids, you know, to show them this is what you can do and go running and do all these amazing things. But, yeah, I'm a bit slack. I should you, probably get a bit better on. at it. I think that's yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. And, I, yeah, I think it's nice to have those for yourself anyways. But, yes, if anybody wants to find you, obviously we'll link that up. Um, good Thanks. luck with yeah, everything. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I hope that we'll you. see. We'll see if I do coach proud or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost labelled. I almost labelled my Strava run on Friday. When coach says you've got to train for a flat track race in a trail run at the same time, you've got to get out hard. Because <laughs> I thought I must look ridiculous to people with my flat, you know, six hour challenge. Then my hills the next day, and so there's no, there's, there's nothing to it. So good, so good. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of Into the Wee Hours podcast. To get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours podcast or email us at Into the Wee Hours podcast at gmail.com. On Instagram, Sarah is all the gear, nay idea. And that is N-A-E for all you non-Scots people. And Kristen is at Kristen Vodden. To read the show notes or to listen on the website, you can visit intothewehours.com forward slash podcast. And to help support this podcast, you can also head over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash podcast. Happy adventuring and we will talk to you next time.